0: Welcome back to another in our ongoing series of Shurim on Dafyomi. We are now going to be completing the, our study of the 10th parak of Masachet Yivamot. We are on the Mishnah on Daf Tzadivav Amud Bet at the very top, continuing in our analysis of the status of a nine year old Bente Shadavim Echad. Bente Shadavim Echad Shabbat Yivim So let's say that somebody of that age, meaning between the age of nine and Gadlut, and majority, had Bia with his yivama. And then he had another brother who was also between the age of 9 and 13. Then this second brother's Bia with her makes her now psula to both brothers and she needs to get Chalitza. Rishimon disagrees and we'll see why right away in the Gemara. The second piece, uh, which really belongs to the next mission, is, Now we're going to flip it, where there's one Yavam and two Yavamot. This nine-year-old, uh, again, between nine and 13, had Bia with his Yavamah, and then he had Bia with another one of the of the Yavamot, of the Tzara. He is now invalidated from marrying either one of them. Bishimon again disagrees. As far as the first half of the clause goes, the Gemara quotes a B'raita, which expands the conversation between Rabbi Shimon and the Chachamim and gives us an insight into why Rabbi Shimon disagreed. Tanya, Amar Rabbi Shimon the Chachamim. If the Bia of the first guy is considered Bia, meaning if you consider Bia to be a Bia, then that means that she's already a Yavama, and Bia and a Bia, then that means that the second guy's Bia should be meaningless because it, she's already his Yavama, she's already his Isha. And that was just a very serious thing, but it does not affect the issue of Yibum. Then Bia Rishona a and if you're gonna say that the Bia of a nine year old is not considered Bia, then Bia Shniya Nami Then the second guy's Bia also should not be meaningful. In other words, either way you slice it, whether you consider the Bia of a nine year old and up to be a Bia, then the Bia of the second one should not have any effect. Because if you consider the first one to be a Bia, then it's already done. And if you consider it not to be a Bia, the second one's not a Bia either. Right? So parenthetically, and we don't have this in the Gemara, but the Chachamim's position is that, that they were treated like a mammar, and because we hold the position that yesh mamar Khamamar, therefore, if one nine-year-old had bia, it's as if he had mammar with her, and then the other one had bia, so that's like another mammar, which does have effect, the effect being that it invalidates her now, both and actually all of the brothers. All right. Now, on the second Mishnah, on the second half of the Mishnah, Matnithan Lokem Ben Azay, the Gemara points out that it does not comport with the position of Shimon Ben Azay. Tani Ben Azay Yesh Ma Amar Achar Ma Amar Bishnei Yevamim Uvi Achat. He splits the difference between Rambam Gamliel and Chachamim in the fifth parak, where Rambam Gamliel says Yesh Ma Amar, Ein Ma and Chachamim and say Yesh Ma Amar Chama Amar. says. Yes, one Ma'amar is meaningful when talking about a second Yavam giving Ma'amar to the same girl. But we do not say Ma'amar is effective when we're talking about one guy giving Ma'amar to two different Yavamot. The second Ma'amar he gives is meaningless. And therefore, nothing has happened, and he still is on the road to doing ibum with the first girl. Now, why is that the uh, is that the conclusion here that our mishnah does not fit with that position? Because our mishnah is taking the position within chachamim that bia of a ben teish vimechad is parallel to a or begadol, and because we said that if he does bia uh, with one and then bia with another one. Then he has apostled them, and according to what Benazai said, Mamar, Ahamamar, will not work with one guy doing it to two different Yivamot, and if Biat Bentesh Shanim is the same as Mamar Begotel, in meaning if it's 100% the same, and that Chachamim simply said, we are going to equate Biat Bentesh to what we have established as Mamar Begotel, then Benazai's position does not fit with the Mishnah. We could always take the position, or possibly suggest the position, that when it says Asumamar, they didn't mean to fully equate it they just meant that's the closest thing that we can connect it to but it still may be uh, weaker such that there is room for another BIA afterwards to have effect but the Gemara does not go in that direction and sees them as fully equal good, so the last Mishnah, which is really the end of the previous Mishnah and then the last Mishnah, Mishnah Tet reads as follows so now you have this 9 year old who who performs BIA and then he dies What's her status? Her status is not like a regular married woman who has become widowed, and of course if they had no children, or we would assume they had no children, uh, likely, not necessarily, uh, then she would now be kuka to another one of the brothers. Um, on the other hand, if we say that all he did was equal to a mamar, then that means that she is now puzzle to the rest of the brothers. So what's the result? The result is She cannot have Yibam with none of the other brothers because her marriage to the nine-year-old. He died before he reached 13. The marriage to the nine-year-old was not uh, sufficient enough to make her totally tura from the Zika. On the other hand, because he had Bia with her, that creates a scenario as if he had given her ma'mar. And what happens if one of the brothers, let's say they're all adult brothers, one of them gives ma'mar to the Yivamah and then he dies she has to get chalitza from the rest, because she is already psula to the rest. The same thing applies here. That is fairly straightforward. Now, Nasa isha umate, harezu ptura. Let's say that this nine-year-old, forget about yibum, the nine-year-old married a, a woman, and he died as a nine-year-old, ten-year-old. She is ptura min ha'yibum, because the marriage is also not a significant enough marriage to create uh, to create yibum. And of course, the parsha says, Ishkiya um, um, uh, all of the, the 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 phrase ish is uh, consistently used there. Um, and um, right, and uh, and so therefore there is no of yibum here. Good. Now here's the tricky case. So nine-year-old marries the yibum And then when he became thirteen, he married another woman. And then he died. So he's got two wives. One who is a Yivama, who he was Miyabem and he was a bentesha, which means the yibum is not that strong. Plus he has a regular wife. And now to throw a little monkey wrench into the case, we're going to say that he has not had Bia with the Yivama since he became of age, which means at no point was there a full consummation of the Yivom. So the first one, the Yivama, that he married at nine, um, can only have Chalitza, just like the previous case. The other one is a regular wife, nothing wrong with that, and she can have chalitza <laughs> yibum. Rabbi Shimon disagrees, it seems to indicate that the bia of the, of the nine-year-old is a full bia, and therefore she's a full wife, and therefore the brothers could give yibum to either one of the wives, either one of them is a full wife, and the other one needs to have chalitza. Now, why does the, the other one need to have Chalitza? Why is she not just Pater like in any other case where you have several wives? Only one has a the Zika has to be completed or resolved with one of them and the rest are Pater. Because even Rabbi Shimon is going to be modeh that the, uh, that the status of these two is not equal and that the Biat Bentesha really is not a full Biat and it really is Kimammar. The only thing is Rabbi Shimon does not accept the principle of Zika Tshne uh, being uh, something that forces chalitza, something we're going to see in the Gemara. Um, and therefore, he says, even though she has zika shnei yivamin, which is the zika of the original brother who died, and of this nine-year-old who died now at the age of, let's say, 14, but he hadn't had beer with her since he was a godal, uh, nonetheless, she, she is still available for yibum because he does not accept the principle of uh, shaleha zika yavamechad v'shalo aleha zika shnei yivamin. Okay, that is uh, as far as the Mishnah goes. Now, the Gemara immediately addresses the opening line. So Rava points out that the principle that we first saw really in the Gadol, in the third parak that when a woman has the Zika of two Yvamin, remember that she fell to one brother and he did Mama and then he died, so she does not get Yibum. I- with the next brother, because Zika of the original brother died, and then partial Zika of this one, so we say only has not Yibum. Lo Don't think that it's only in the case where there is another wife there, because the Tsara. Because there you would say, yeah, we can we really mean She can have Yibum. Elu We're concerned that if she has Yibum, people are going to think that um, that both wives get Yibum. And therefore, when there is no other tsara, we not we have, we won't erase, we'll erase that concern, and therefore allow her to have yibum. He said, "No, the ha ha because after all, in our case, and that's in the opening part when the shanim shibali v'im to we say even if he has only one other brother, she gets chalitza. We don't say he can do yibum, right? So Rava says, you see that the gzera." of Shnei uh, Yivamin of is something that applies even when there's no other wives there. Good. Now, So the, the the Brita simply is brought here to expand on what we said in the Mishnah that not only a nine-year-old who dies and who, who marries a woman and then dies without children there is no Yibum, but also a Shota. Their wives are totally apart. Why? Because the marriage is not a marriage. Right? The marriage is at best, depending on the circumstance, some sort of a a, a a convenience that we allow for certain circumstances, but is not a marriage, and therefore there is no zika whatsoever. Good. Now, the end of the Mishnah brought us this case where the nine year old was Mi'abem. When he became 13, he married another woman, and then he died, not having ever had bia with the original wife since he became a goddle. Good. Now, so the Gemara then asks, why don't we then equate the Bia of the nine-year-old, like a Mamar, with Tilchat Then the second wife should now not be in the parsha of Yibum. Why? Because, she, because if we accept the principle that Zikat Shnee Yavamim is a poter, then Sarat Isha Shi'esh Allah Yavamim is also a poter. Because this new wife, the one who he married when he was 13, is it Sarah to a woman who has a the Zika Shnei of and she's part So, Amarav, Lo Asu, B'yad Ben Ra, Rav seems to challenge the entire principle that we've been operating with over the last daf or so, which is that bia is Kemah He says, we don't say that. Shmuel, amar shmuel says, actually, they did make it the way that we've been learning it, the way, that same way, But Remember, it's Rabbi Yochanan who says this. Asu, indeed, they did equate which, of course, brings us back to the to original question, which is Vyasu. Why don't we then consider that the Biyam of this kid, when he was nine, is Kemama Brigadal, and therefore the second wife he marries is now a Tsarat Isha shne, uh, vamin, and since he never had a chance to consummate with the Yivama after he became 13, therefore the Tzara should also be put to Minayibum. So the answer is Tanoaihi, that it's really a Machloka Tanaim. Whether we apply zikach and arpoter, ha'chatah darba in the the Tana of the in the third parak, who said that when you have zikach in your poter, gosr mishum says you can only give chalitza not yibum because of a case where there's a tsar, where there's a second wife. Vashmina gadov and in that case they were talking about a gado, but the truth is it would be true about a cotton too. If a gado gives mamor or a cotton does bia, then it's uh, that then there she there's only chalitza no Right, so why did the Mishnah in the third parak use a godel? Because it's talking about a case of a godel. So that's what it mentioned. Our <laughs> he also agrees that they made biat bentasha begodel, and uh, that they we do not make a xera in a case where there is only one wife. Because of a, on, on, as a precaution against the case where there is more than one wife, and they mentioned it here with Bente Teishanim, they could have also brought our case with a mamar vagodol. If a guy is uh, is above age and he gives mamar to a woman, and he never consummates, and he marries another wife, and then he dies, so that second wife um, can have uh, can have yibum or So We don't call her it sarat isha to isha shechalazikachneivamin. He would agree, but why, so why does it mention the case of a cotton? Cut cut because our series of Mishnahite are talking about nine-year-olds. Now, here's a story, and keep in mind, I mentioned that Rabbi Yochanan is the one who said asu, and then gave the solution uh, to our to our problem by pointing out that in the Sugina third paragraph, the position is that we do make a zero. and in our position, we don't make a zero. Good. So now, Azar Abolazar. Abolazar, was a student of Rabbi Yochanan in Tveria. He went to the base and he repeated this question, and the challenge, and the solution. He did not say, this is what Rabbi Yochanan says. Rabbi he Yochanan heard about this. He was very upset. And uh, evidently, his upsetness was known and seen, because his two close Talmidim, Rabbi Yochanan, came to visit him to try to appease him. The first thing they tried to do was to prove, show him, and remind him, that being so makpid and so um, so uh, careful about uh, protecting your own position and your own reputation can lead to very bad things. Uh, because there was a story that happened by Knesset Sheltveria. It was a particular kind of a door bolt that had at the head of it some sort of a ball. Uh, and the uh, and Rabbi Yossi had a big disagreement about whether or not this is considered a Kli and therefore can be moved on Shabbat or not. We don't know who held which position in this point. The point got that they got so angry that they tore up a Sefer Torah. you think they actually tore a Sefer Torah? What happened was they got so angry that ultimately somehow one thing led to another and a Sefer Torah was torn Because they got so angry because one did not accept the position of the other. So you have to be calm, you have to relax, be forgiving. By the way, if you remember, that story has a worse ending than that. Rabbi Yosef and Kizmo was there. This goes back now uh, 150 years or so. He said, I'll be surprised if this shul doesn't turn out to be a pagan, end up being a pagan house of worship. Indeed, it played out that way. So you see, it's a terrible thing. You gotta be more forgiving. You gotta be more calm about these things. So hader So then Rabbi Yochanan got more upset. Why? Amar Kharuta nami. What? You're talking about two colleagues who are fighting with each other, and that was very bad. That they weren't more patient. But you're equating me and Rabbi Lazar to two colleagues. He's my student. Uligar uh, Rabbi Yaakov So Rabbi Yaakov A'idi then came in to try to appease him. Amarle he quoted a pasuk. Pasuk number one on the page from Sefer Yehoshua. When it talks about Yoshua dividing up the land, this, this pasuk which is reminiscent of the repetition at the end of Sefer Shmot, how Moshe did everything. Here Yoshua did everything exactly the way that Moshe told him. He didn't do. He didn't violate anything of the way that Moshe commanded him. Do you think that everything Yeshua did? He justified it by saying, and this is what Moshe said, and this is what Moshe said every time. Yoshua <speaking in Hebrew> was sitting there and teaching. <speaking in Hebrew> everybody knows this is Moshe's Torah. everything. Everybody knows that whatever Yoshua was saying, this is something that he got from Moshe. He didn't have to credit him every time. <speaking in Hebrew> Same thing, where is your student, and, uh, and he was teaching. Everybody <speaking in Hebrew> he knows it's your Torah. So then Rabbi Yochanan turned to Amin Rabasi and said, How come you don't know how to appease as well as Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi, this uh, this colleague of ours who really knows how to appease. That's a good appeasement. To compare me and tell me a story about two colleagues who got in a fight, and how bad that was, and compare my situation with Rabbi Lazar, that made things worse. But to tell me the story about Yeshua and Moshe, good. So of course we all know Yeshua is Moshe's student, and nonetheless... Everybody understood that everything that Yehoshua was teaching was really mitarat Moshe Rabo. Good. Now, Rabbi Yochanan, so why was Rabbi Yochanan at all about this whole thing? Because of the famous olamim In Tilim it says, I will live in your tents forever. But the olamim makes it sound like, through multiple worlds, I will live in your tents. Can a person live in two worlds at the same time? So, what David said, or the author of this parak of Tilling, which the default in Khazal is always David, he said, "Is God Yehiratzon sheyomrut thevar shmuami pi baolam azeh." I hope that after I'm dead, people will repeat Torah of mine in my name. Why David is quoting a drasha of Rishon Yochai, Call Tamin Chacham Shrimim thevar shmuami pi baolam azeh. Any Tain Chacham whose words are repeated in his name meve uh, the from his mouth but the implication is here in his name in this world his lips continue to quiver in the in the grave in other words he's in the grave and his lips continue to move uh, when they mention words of, of his Torah and they give him credit so that, therefore, Bjorchan said i if I taught some Torah, I want to be given credit, and I want it to be in my name so that my I will continue on and even after I 'm dead, people are repeating things in my name, and it 's like i'm still alive my cross, so what's the Pasuk that supports this drusha that the lips continue to move in the grave? in Shir Hashirim, the lover says to the beloved your your palate is like the Good wine, shanim. It, it 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 makes the lips of those who are sleeping tremble and move. It's such a sweet palate. It's just like a bunch of grapes. Just like a a, a bunch of grapes. If you put your hand on one part of it, the whole thing starts to quiver, and and uh, and dovev also it starts to. Um, to uh, to to ooze forth. Similarly, when you say words of Torah in their name in this world, the lips not only move but they also kind of uh, spew forth as if the Torah continues to spew forth from their lips in the grave. Good. At the end of the Mishnah, the the Mishnah said, and I skipped this over in reading the Mishnah, but uh, now we'll go take a look back. So look back at Sadi Vav Hamud Bed in the Mishnah, we saw that that all of the rules that we've just seen about a nine-year-old apply equally to somebody who's as old as 20, who has not yet brought simane bagrut. So if somebody who's 16 years old and has not yet brought simane uh, bagrut, uh, pubic hairs, and has BOD, so all the same rules apply. So now, Raminah, we have a challenge to that. Benesim, shana, sarot. If you have a boy who's 20, who has not yet brought simanim, they have to bring a birth certificate, something that says he's 20, and then we consider him a saris. What's the deen of a saris? He's out of the parsha of yibem. Or as we said, the ben teshusharim does have some form of yibem. shanash the same thing with a girl. rayashi Bring proof that she's really 20, we declare her an ilanit. She's out of the parsha. Our considerers are the Rasha. So how can you say that somebody who is above the age of 13, has not brought no simanim, is still in the part of until he's 20, and we consider him like a nine-year-old Lagabe? this? This is something we saw a few days ago, that this is only true if he also has not just a lack of signs of Bagrut, but positive confirmed signs of Saris, which are uh, the kind of uh, light hair, light, very, very uh, soft hair, and, and, and hairless skin, and uh, and he has a certain kind of shape of hips, and other things. His voice, all the different simanim that we talked about, that indicate that he is a saris. So it's not just the lack of simanim. Amar Rava dekanami tani was saris. says, if you look at the brayta, you'll see that that's exactly correct because the brayta doesn't say bring a proof that he's twenty, and then he then and then he's a saris, but rather, saris, meaning as if in like an affirmation, and now we know that he is a saris. And So let's say that he's 20 years old, has had no Simane saris, and also no simanim. So how long do we go until we declare him a saris? Until the majority of his life, which based on the notion of we say is till 35 years. So there's a story when they would come to Rava, if you had a guy who had not brought Simanim, but he was very, very thin, he would say, go fatten him up. If he was very fat, go and thin him out. Make him go on a diet and lose him some weight. Why? What did Rava say? Sometimes the hair falls out because the person is so thin. And sometimes they fall out because he's so fat. In other words... Sometimes there's a physical condition that can prevent simanim from showing, even though the person really is an adult. So, Baruch Hashem, we've gotten to the completed uh, the parakaysharaba. And Baruch in the next podcast, we'll pick up with the eleventh parak, Nosim sim al Everyone should have a wonderful day.